With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The Chels is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the Chels. It's Christmas time. Gosh, it seems like months ago that I thought, oh, Christmas will be here soon. And then here it is. So quickly, it's upon us, and we've got that festive season coming up. And full of, hopefully, some cheer. There's also some misery. There's some weird stuff to talk about, football to talk about, all sorts of things. We've got Mr Andy Saunders, as usual. How are you? I'm very well, thank you very much. Good. And we also have Mr. Dan Levine here. Hello. How are you, Dan? I'm well. I'm a little bit wet. It's raining in London, but, uh, you know. Got a bit of a cold. Bit of a cold, sucking on some lockets here. Product, get, product placement for you. But that's get, it, get it all out of the way before Christmas, mate. Well, yeah, exactly. And, you know, hopefully the sea... Did you get it because of the sea air down at Brighton, do you think? Or? Uh, I think I think this was lingering around since Wolverhampton. <laughs> ah, think, yeah. think of the things you might catch in Wolverhampton. <laughs> Well, we certainly caught a cold, and you certainly did as well on yeah, that night. But exactly. um, I suppose we we should go back because um, last week it, it was a funny old week. We'd had the whole Raheem Sterling thing that happened, mm-hmm. and, and that sort of blew up. And hopefully, you thought that was an end to everything. Um, and then things just got stranger through the week, didn't they? Did you go to Vidi Dan or? You I did, there. and um, can I just say, what a wonderful city Budapest is. It's amazing, I've been a few times, yeah. Beautiful city, wonderful country, friendly people, mm. great. Um, had a, a wonderful time looking around the historic sites, eating some really good food, drinking some cracking beer. Do you normally do a kind of day either side and make a, make a thing of it? Or how yeah, do you normally I try do... to. I try to take in a little bit of local culture. It's always good to meet some local people, yeah. some fans of the other club, um, see a little bit of history, and as I say, have some good food and wine. Mm. So what was your best, best meal there then? I tell you, what, I had a really, really good meal in this place that was um, uh, a themed um, 
restaurant bookshop and it was like Michelin starred honestly it was real quality stuff and um, I'll give you an idea the pudding was described as winter wonderland and it was this thing with like a a canal of pineapple mousse and a little bit of lemon cake and some snow on the on the it was served on a, a lit up light box with a wow. festive reef inside Far better than the game. What was that like a fiver? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was about that. Yeah, <laughs> it's because it is. I mean, it is still affordable, isn't it? Yeah. When you go to places like that. Um, I went to Budapest fairly recently for a conference and um, didn't have a chance to do an awful lot of stuff. But it did strike me that it is a. It's a really interesting looking city. Yeah, yeah. fantastic architecture and um, great like art say, nouveau architecture. Yeah, and so, so much history about the place as well. And when you go to your kind of Barcelona and your Milans and, and all that kind of stuff, which we've all been to, it's, it's great and everything. But, you know, it's, it's fairly well-trodden tourist stuff, isn't it? But when you go to Baku or you go to, you know, Budapest or you go to somewhere like that, it's nice to get out about and sort of slightly off the beaten track, isn't it? Yeah, can I say, I think it's been, for, for me and for a lot of people I spoke to, one of the best groups we've ever had for travel. I always think that in a draw there's three things you want. You want something near something far and something beach <laughs> and we had we had all three didn't we really so you went to Salonika as well I went to Salonika despite as well. the dire warnings of and, and, and Salonika was gorgeous and yeah. the people again were lovely despite the warnings yeah uh, so it's amazing you know if you're a little bit intrepid and as long as you you know don't behave like an idiot and that sort of thing then normally the world is very welcoming to you as a Chelsea fan well, it's interesting. So how would you take... I mean, OK, we we all know we, we've won the group and we're through. So the draw was yesterday and uh, we got Malmo. Mm. Malmo? Now, yeah. now, that isn't a fiver. I've been to Malmo. That's that's take your big wallet territory, that is. <laughs> yeah. It's astonishingly expensive in Malmo. Malmo is so expensive that people go to a different country, Denmark, for a drink. Well, right. it's cheap, and, a, and a tank of petrol, because it's about half the price. It's yeah. across and the Denmark, bridge, isn't it? And Denmark is about twice what it is here, so... Yeah. Yeah, it's just so you have the Copenhagen on one side of the bridge and Malmo on the other side of the bridge, and you yeah. can just go across as as per the Nordic Noir series of the same. The, br- the bridge, the, the bridge. Yeah. yeah, I've been on it. I've been across that bridge a few times. It's, well, a, it's an amazing thing because you can just see down on either side of you. It's quite and an there's a train runs below it, doesn't yeah. it? And also as well, I went. I, I I went a long time ago before there was a bridge, and you used to get, used to have to get hovercraft over. Um, or was, a, or was, a, your, was your hovercraft full of eels? Yeah, very good. <laughs> yeah. um, or, or a high or one of those type of things to get across and I, I've done that a few times but uh, the bridge is amazing it's yeah. an amazing thing it's, it is it's just and like... Copenhagen's an amazing city mm. yeah. I, I just love that part of the world so yeah. um, well maybe we should try and see if we can well the problem with Mal- the problem with the Malmo games is it's on Valentine's Day <laughs> isn't it and it's you know and it's uh, and being an old Roman no and it's like it's difficult and <laughs> you I'm actually stop yourself and I'm actually don't. going on holiday the next day at like four I'm flying out at four in the morning so I'm, ah, try- I'm trying okay. to find a way of making it oh, work it's okay. going to be difficult so now we found out actually, it's half term. It's actually half term. what you're saying is you're a bit of a plastic. Massive plastic. Massive plastic. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah. it. Oh, it's Valentine's Day. Yeah, <laughs> get out of here. You know, but yeah. you'll be going, I'm sure. But I'll be there, yep. Okay, so um so Have yeah. you missed any any of the uh any European games in recent years of uh, it's, it's a long time. Yeah. It's about nine or ten years since I missed one. Um, right. And for me, Sweden is uh, a new country. I didn't, uh, I didn't go to the, um, the Cupman's Cup uh, in oh, Stockholm. That I, was I, I have a story from that <laughs> night. <laughs> he does. I did. I fell off the wagon that night after many years of sobriety. I had a crazy old time. You yeah. can't even say the word properly. I know. Sobriety. We went together, didn't we? Yeah, I was the one who got you off the wagon. 
yeah, that was a crazy night. Yeah. yeah, that was a crazy night. But no, I highly recommend Sweden. It is just very expensive. Mm. So it was good. But, but uh, yeah, 90 minutes we won't get back football-wise, though, wouldn't it? I mean, it was just, you know, one of those dull, dead rubber, why am I watching this? It's kind of six o'clock. I mean, I guess if you were there, you could imbue it with a sense of drama. But, you know, watching it on my laptop in my office, it was like... Pfft, it is what it is. It was. Know. I mean, it was good to see a couple of the young lads, as, it, as is always the case. You know, really unfortunate for Ethan to turn one in his own net. Yeah. But apart from that, I thought he had a really good game. Yeah. Um, What's your view on Ethan? Where, does, where, where should he play? I think he has the ability to practically play anywhere. Really, he's just right. that sort of quality, isn't he? Um, he? Do you subscribe to to my theory that he's not maybe tall enough to be a centre back? I think that you you might have a point there, but um, he's, he's maybe better in a sort of uh, defensive midfield role yeah. but then you know, he's, he's just so mobile isn't he and he's so mature you know it's just unbelievable how he carries himself and how he looks like a captain doesn't he oh totally yeah, yeah. whether or not he's Chelsea captain of course you know yeah. I, don't, I don't know but Wales captain without a doubt yeah, yeah no it was, but, it was good to see him yeah but, but he looks as though he's one of those players who seems to have the trust of the club and, and the coaching staff and the manager um and it just seems like they're trying to work out what his best role is because we've seen him sort of play a couple of positions now. Mm. He's, he's definitely the golden boy. Yeah. Um, he, he's the one that they're, they're putting all the eggs in the basket for, you know. Not, um, not, not Callum? Well, not to say that they're not, they're not offering plenty of opportunities for Callum. I'd like to see them offer a few more, obviously. I think a lot of people would. Um, they want anyone to come through, really. You know, they're, they're, they, know they're, they know that's an easy win for the fans, isn't it? So, you know, if, if you can bring a homegrown yeah. player for they know PR-wise... A, a homegrown player from Exeter. Well, <laughs> a, a, OK, a young player yeah. that's kind of spent some time in the academy, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I suppose the other, the other thing is, you know, things have gone a bit awry for Christensen. And I, I'm interested to see what you your take on him is. My take is that Christensen got destroyed by Conte through last season through overplaying and insistence that he had to play all the time I wonder what your take is on on Christensen it's an interesting view he's 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 been phenomenally unlucky hasn't he really and and you you everybody believed in him last season and the season before and thought that he was the one to do it um but it seems for whatever reason that Sarri just doesn't seem to fancy him um he definitely likes Lewis because of his ball playing skills and Christensen's got that the, the, the difficulty, of course, is the age-old thing. Does, he doesn't have the, uh, the maturity. He doesn't have the experience. Of course, everyone will ask, well, how the hell does he get it? If he do, you, do you think he trusts him? Is that the problem? I, I think that, that is the problem. Because I don't think I do, Dan. I don't think I do trust him at the moment. Mm-hmm. It's like whenever he plays, he feels like he's got a bit of a ricket in him. That's, that's my problem with it. I've said it a lot recently. I'm not down on him. I'd love him to come through. I think he's, he's class. You know, for 95%, 96% of the game, he plays really well. But then you're holding your breath, you know, of course, at certain it, other times. People you know? will say exactly the same about David Lewis. Yeah, of course. Of course, and I think he's a problem as well. You know, I do genuinely think that he can have astonishingly, you know, sort of mind-blowing games like the Man City game mm. where you look at him and go, well, you're clearly the best central defender in the world. Yeah. And other games where he just looks like a, you know, like a puppet on a string. Yeah, no, it, it, it's interesting because I think we've got a few question marks over players. And Sarri doesn't strike me as though he's a fool. You know, when he was coming under fire, oh, well, you don't know what you're doing with Kante, you don't know this, you don't know that. It's quite interesting because... I mean, you've sat in with press conferences with him, so you've probably got more of a feel for him. But he strikes me as one of those, he sort of, you know, kind of shambles his way through things. But when he's actually pushed, he comes back with an answer. Like he said demonstratively what he thought of Kante. And I'm just wondering also what, what your take on Sarri and how he views the press and 
when he decides to give tough answers back? Um, I'm not sure he's the most comfortable animal in that sort of setting, um, having watched a few of them. Obviously, Jose Mourinho, who's lost his job today. Uh, oh, that was going to be a quiz for, for later, that damn. one, Dan. What um, happened three years and one day ago? Well, quite. <laughs> um, he's a natural at that, although he's looked really uncomfortable in recent weeks. Um, Carlo Ancelotti, you know, he was fairly comfortable. Um, you know, but, you know, it doesn't really feel like Sarri is. He likes to hide behind um, the language barrier a little bit, although his English is very, very good. I just think he wants to get on with coaching. Mm. Yeah, he seems as though he's not really fussed about doing things. If you ask him a specific question, he seems to give a specific answer. Like he said about Ruben earlier in the season, he said, he's not ready yet. He's not tactically understanding what I need him to do defensively. That's why he's not in. And gradually things seem to be working through. He does seem to give honest answers when pushed. Maybe he's just desperate to get out and have a cigarette. He doesn't want to be sitting maybe, in a press maybe. conference. What is that little thing that he holds? Is it a filter or something? That... It looks like it, doesn't it? I, yeah. think, I think that's what it is. Like I, a fag end. <laughs> that's right. It does look like it. It's, it's an odd thing. I've been trying to work out what it is, but he seems to suck very hard on it and things. Um, but, but I, I if it's ventilated, I'll have one right now. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so so I, don't, I don't think there's a huge amount to talk about the, the Mulvady game. Well, the, the, the rubber, know. we saw some kids, it was all very good, and, you know, William played well, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But really, I mean... Well, it's the fans. I mean, I guess, you know, it's, it's the, the same things that we were talking about last week with Raheem Sterling, but round two. You know, first of all, we hear them, you know, they're, they're doing the song. I mean, you're there, you're in the ground. You know, it's really hard when you hear reporting of these things from distance as to, A, how many people were doing it, B, was it something that seems to be happening more and more, and, and C, then you've got the, the other side of it where you've got the fans in the town with the headhunter's flag. And uh, can, I, can I ask a question? Yeah. Um, Dan, you've been, you know, all over social media this week. You've been, you've become a lightning rod for a lot of frustration from the fans in terms of uh, their um, upset and rage about how the media are treating Chelsea. You seem to have become the kind of like the lightning rod for it. Wouldn't it be easier just to kind of back off and not say anything and just report on the game? Um, maybe it'd be easier. I don't feel that I can do that, I'm afraid. Um, uh, this has been there a long, long time, as you both know. Um, I've heard this a long time. A lot of people, thousands of people have heard this over the years. What are we talking about? Just really, really unpleasant abuse in the ground. Largely, at Chelsea, um, the racism takes the form of anti-Semitic abuse. A lot of people will say that's down to Tottenham. I'm sorry, the excuse doesn't rub. You know, there, there are words you don't want to hear when you go to football. Um, and really, really de- derogatory stuff, about, uh, largely about Jewish people, it's just not pleasant. Nobody, whether they're Jewish or not, wants to hear that in a football ground. And it has been there for so long. I said, actually, I said this in the summer. I wrote a piece about the club trip to Auschwitz, which I went on. I said in that, in that piece in the summer that I had not been to a game in 34 years covering this club and, and as a fan where I'd not heard some form of racist abuse. Uh, and that is entirely true. A lot of people have told me that it's a lie. Okay, well, that's, that's my truth. I've been there. All I, all I can tell you is what I've seen. Um, 
it's my truth too, by the way. And, you know, I've been 100% behind you in, in all of this and, and received a fair amount of abuse myself. And, you know, this idea that this, is, this doesn't get sung at every game, that it's a rare, a rare occurrence, is nonsense. Certainly where I sit. And, you know, the you know, Tottenham and the Arsenal song gets sung at every single game. Now, a lot of people choose not to sing that last bit, you know, yeah. and that's fine. If you want to sing the song and not sing the last bit containing the Y word, that's fine. But the, to say that it doesn't get sung is nonsense. Sorry to interrupt you. I wanted to just back you up on that. And also, and also the, the point is that I think for a long time that song got sung and the majority of people did not sing the Y word. But there was invariably at least one or two voices or whatever. What I've noticed is there is a, a quantity of voices now that are doing it. It may tail off a bit. This is at home. But it's going on. And it's going on. Okay, this may be a reflection of everything socially that's going on. But we have to look at our own house and get things in order. This is the big argument, isn't it? That Spurs fans have, in inverted commas, reclaimed the word. They refer to themselves as the Yid army. Uh, they self-identify as that. And so, therefore, a lot of fans' argument is that they have normalised the word. So, to pick Chelsea fans up on it is disproportionate and unfair. Spurs should stop singing it. They should stop that tomorrow. Today, if they can't do it tomorrow, it's gone too far. It's not their word to reclaim. You know, the vast majority of Spurs fans, I'm, I'm told most surveys say 95% or more, are not Jewish. Um, Martin Samuel wrote a very, very good piece in the mail today saying that, you know, he was on, he was on a flight. And, you know, the guy um, who was um, up front said, you know, we're arriving in wherever it is, Barcelona. And all, all of a sudden, from the back of the plane, you get the Y Army business. Who are they reclaiming that from in that situation? Who is abusing them? Why are they using that? Why are a load of middle-aged, or even any age, to be fair, um, non-Jewish people singing this word? They should stop. But that is no excuse for us to sing it. Um, at Chelsea... It is an aggravated matter because when Chelsea sing it, it's all about how much we hate them. Uh, and that, therefore, crosses over from something that is absolutely, uh, should, should stop, to something that is absolutely a criminal offence, something that is a hate crime. Um, there's no way around that, I'm afraid. If you're singing about hating Jews, hating the Y word, then you are committing a criminal offence and we should stop. what about the person that said to me today, I don't find it offensive? I don't really care whether you find it offensive or not. The law says that it is a hate crime. There are plenty of Jewish people who would tell you that they do find it offensive. And by the way, there are also plenty of Jewish Chelsea supporters who will tell you they find it offensive. I've spoken to plenty of Jewish Chelsea supporters who have been in the ground, for example, up at Leicester when the Maratta song went off, and were absolutely appalled at what was going off around them. Mm. People with Holocaust survivors in their family, and all it recalled was, for them, the stories from their grandparents or their parents about how the Nazis had rounded up people shouting these songs, shouting these chants about Juden. And, that, and we know how that all ended. So, so hang on a minute, let's put something in. Kerry, you're Jewish? Yep. And you're Jewish, Dan. Mm -hmm. do you, how do you separate the journalist from the uh, person of Jewish origin? Or do you? Or, do, or do, Are they interlinked? Can you be a journalist and not feel anger and um and fury about this word from a jewish perspective because a lot of people are, uh, uh, have said this week that you're pushing in inverted commas an agenda what what do you take from that if Rafi, raheem sterling has been abused in the way that it is claimed and that is of course a matter that may be for the courts then i am absolutely furious that he has received that abuse 
that is in no way different to any other form of abuse. Uh, and I feel exactly the same way as racist abuse against blacks, against whites, against any sort of people. About Why do we treat people like this at football in 2018? Why do people feel that they go, go to a game and it suddenly gives them permission to behave in this way like that they would never normally do in the street? You walked up to somebody in the street and you called them a Y-word, an effing Y-word. You called them an effing black C. Or all those things that we've heard about in the last couple of weeks you would be arrested immediately. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, it, this is something that I've said, that this kind of behaviour was happening in the 80s. It had no place then. It certainly has no place now. In fact, booting it back to the 80s is a bit unfair to give that crap to the 80s. You know, it's something that people need to understand. I got told that, you know, when I said it's racist, that actually I'm exacerbating the problem by making an issue of that. And I think, I don't get that. I don't get anybody not understanding why it's, it's not offensive to, to some people. Uh, understanding why it is offensive, rather, I mean. I, I don't think there are many people who don't understand it's offensive. I think, honestly... I think they choose not to. I think they choose not to. I think you, you must have been living in some sort of rabbit hole for the last... 10 years, 20 years, I don't know, if you don't know that that word is offensive. Do you think all Chelsea fans are racist? No, absolutely not. So, what, not. so, so this charge that you are slandering all Chelsea fans, how do you react to that? Um, I've made it very, very clear in all of the stuff I've written about this and all of the media I've done about this at every single stage that this is not the majority of fans. It was one of the first things I said when I went onto the radio to talk about this the morning after that the majority of fans are actually responsible people. And I've met thousands and thousands of Chelsea fans down the years. I'm sure both of you have as well. And for the vast majority, they're, they're fantastic people. We share something that is really, really great to share together. You know, this belief in this club, that's what football's about, you know, working together for this. Um, and the, the minority, although I have to say at Chelsea, the sizable minority who feel differently, are, in the words of the club tonight, just not welcome. It was interesting, wasn't it, this, the rather lengthy statement that Bruce Buck put out this evening, you've seen, I think you've got it there, when he said, this is not the club for you. You know, that's quite strong stuff from the CEO, who, of course, was standing outside of the away fans' entrance in Brighton. Some people took objection to that. They, they, you know, they, they felt that he didn't help his cause by doing that. They felt that was provocative. You know, I don't know. It just seems that there is a sense amongst Chelsea fans that they are being picked on in some certain way. Certain Chelsea fans. Certain fans say. that they're being picked on, that the media doesn't look at other clubs, that it looks at Chelsea, that it's sensationalised things. I have a certain amount of sympathy with, with you know, there does seem to be a big focus on Chelsea, but Chelsea fans are not helping themselves by continuing to do this kind of stuff. Yeah, no one likes us, we don't care. Are we Millwall all of a sudden? Um, yeah. Or are we Liverpool complaining about, you know, the injustice of our, of, of our persecution? You know, I mean, this whole kind of, you know, well, this all happened around the Suarez situation where every single barrack room lawyer, you know, within a 50 mile radius of Liverpool came out and explained why Suarez wasn't racist when actually what they should have done is condemned it first. Absolutely. And, and then, then said, I'm, I've had so many replies, you know, and I've been very vocal on social media over the last couple of And you can see me, I've kind of lost my shit a little bit over the last weekend with, with certain people. You've been a lot more measured than I have. Um, you know, and, and a lot of people start in their conversations with, I'm not a racist, but... 
You know, I mean, it's like that seems to be the tone of a lot of things is like, you know, I'm not a racist, but, you know, I think it's unfair that I shouldn't be allowed to use the white word, you know, and, and that tone of conversation, it's like there is a willful ignorance among a certain amount of people not to listen to the uh, arguments about the offence that that word causes. Oh, so like the I'm part Jewish, but that comes up quite oh, My a wife's Jewish, I've had that one, or my grandparents are, or some bizarre family tree. Well, then you should tree. really understand, yeah. you know what I mean? What are you? Part Jewish and very, very thick, yeah. you know, I'm sorry, but Our you know, Jewish. he doesn't want it to happen. Do you have so little respect for him that you would? Yeah, the man who actually this? changed the whole. Never mind anything else. Things happened for Chelsea when Roman Abramovich came to this club and put heart and soul into turning into a success. I don't care what anyone says. So all those people, you know what? You should all leave the club because you've got a guy who's Jewish in charge of it who's made your lives so wonderful. What did you I... think of the of the club's response, Dan? Have you have you are you pleased with it? Um, the statement issued today, I think, is is very heartening. Uh, I think it's very positive to see them taking such a hard line. Um, <coughs> I um, I said uh, about the statement that was issued on the night in, in Vidi, uh, or in Budapest, that I thought it was the strongest statement I'd seen from the club since. Do you remember that front page of the yeah, programme yeah. in 1982? Two eighty-three, yeah, yeah. the FA Cup quarter-final against Spurs. The black one. Black the black cover. You yeah. know, a lot of people remember that. That wasn't about racism, that was about hooliganism. Mm. But it was the last time I remember the club being so, so hard against an element of its own fans. And today, in the statement from Bruce Buck, it's upped it another notch. Um, I don't see that they've got much further to go. And, you know, I'll just um, maybe um, pull back on something you said, um, Kerry. You said that we need everyone to leave if they feel that way. We need everyone to leave if they feel that way, or alternatively, they need to change their behaviour. Yeah, of course. Change is always acceptable. You know, that, that that's something. Um, and one would hope that change through education works. You know, that, that's, the, that's the hard part. We interviewed Paul Cannaville on the podcast. Um, we did a live show with Paul Cannaville about... You know, and obviously a part of that conversation was about the abuse he suffered as Chelsea's first black player and having bananas thrown at him and being racially abused by his own fans and the traumatic psychological effect that had on him. And I remember coming out of that interview feeling shamed, utterly shamed, because I was I didn't part- I didn't partake in any of that, but I didn't say anything, I didn't do anything, I didn't stand up, I didn't react to it in any way, and that's not happening again. I'm not gonna do that. And but- I think as well that it's important to note that, you know, that that we have to educate people. And, and, and what's interesting about the cool Cannaville thing is him saying that, you know, 20, 30 years later, people were coming up to him saying, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry I did that, but I've changed. You know, but, but you know, over the years, I've realised that that was stupid, mindless, racist behaviour. And you do, that heartens me a little bit that people can change. We just find the need to find a mechanism to help them change. Yeah, I, you know? I think that's true. And if they can't change, they need to do one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly, you know, but I, I guess the, the most important thing is... You know, a lot of those people are kind of scary people for a lot of people. What do people do? How does one help people change things? How do we make change happen? How do we elicit change? I, I, something I've been thinking about the last couple of days is this idea of groupthink, of of mob mentality, of how difficult it is if you are somebody that ascribes to, to groupthink, if you go with a bunch of mates, if you go to your football match with a bunch of mates, if you're part of a group of people, to be the person that turns around and goes, you know what lads, this is a bit out of order, to be that person. you know, Because then you stand the chance of being ostracised from that group and that's a kind of scary place to be. If your whole life and your social time is bound up in a group of people to be the person that stands 
up in amongst those people and go, I think this is out of order. That's difficult for someone to do. So we need to find mechanisms where that group think doesn't take over, where we can talk to people individually and, and as groups and, and create peer pressure. Because the Maratta song was an interesting situation where I think there was an element of peer pressure that made that go away, you know, to a degree. You know, pretty quickly people went, this isn't acceptable. You know, they didn't say anything, they didn't do anything, but there was a feeling on the terraces that we stood at. We stood at the Leicester yeah, game. You know, we stood at you know, various away games and we saw half-hearted little attempts to get it going and they were... You know, they were sung out. They were they were shouted down, and I, I genuinely believe that the majority of Chelsea fans will change the tenor of the uh, of the approach if given the tools to do so. Yeah, um, the the club is under an awful lot of um, people will see it. Fans will see it as stick at the moment from the media, they, and they won't like it. People, you know, don't like. I spoke to a guy on social media today who said he was appalled that somebody <clears throat> up at, down at Brighton was on the platform there in his boy's face saying he was a racist. That's appalling behaviour, isn't it? You shouldn't be doing that to a little boy. But the reason that... Sorry, what was that story? That that, that, uh, an opposition fan was getting in his boy's face calling him a racist in in this guy's view. Um, And that's, that's terrible, you know. But we can all do something to make this club lose that tag this this tag that that we don't deserve because the vast majority of our fans are not racist. Um, And we can all self-police... Uh, we can all be that person, you know. If, if we, I think people just need to know that there are more, more more of us than there are of them. I totally agree, and that that's been a that's been a mantra of mine for the last couple of weeks. There'll always be more of us than you. There'll always will be, you know. And we will rise up, and we will prevail. You know, I genuinely believe that we're going through a sticky period at the moment. Um, but you know, I've been here before. You've been here before. How old are you? Old enough. Yeah. yeah. Are you old enough to have been there in the eighties? Yeah. Okay. So it, you look, you look, honest, you look, you look boyish. I must so I rise. Hey. Yeah. But um, but the, I, the, the I point is, I stopped going in the eighties because I just couldn't bear half of it. But the you know that the, was the, the problem. The awfulness of it. Then you think, well, is this it? Is this my social? And then it changes. It changes over time. And I'm, you know, I'm enough of an optimist to think that you know that over time people will get the message that this isn't acceptable. That all these silly excuses, you know, these these you know these these, these silly you know uh, attempts to kind of normalise you know and 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 make this a an acceptable behavior that that's not going to wash i think you know when we look at it in cold hard facts i got a call from a bloomberg journalist today going do you think this will affect sponsorship do you think sponsors will be having those conversations i hadn't thought of that and i was like you know what you know what if i was carabao or i was you know an inclusive you know Absolutely. brand that valued diversity that you know that had those as part of my key messages and my brand ideals i might be having conversations with bruce buck going you need to sort this out we can't be associated with this no and i think that that's another dialogue to have another time you know because there are knock-on effects which do actually affect the club so you know i mean moving on to to brighton um how was the atmosphere there um, the atmosphere was, uh, it was a mix, I suppose it's fair to say. Um, it was a strange game, um, because, you know, the, the first half was so really one-sided though, Chelsea didn't take massive advantage of it. Brighton were barely on the pitch, to be honest. What's new about that? I mean, it was, a bit, it was a bit like the Wolves game in a way, that was so in, in the ascendancy, just so happened we had two goals this time, otherwise it could have been Wolves all over again. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, that helped. <coughs> in terms of the fan reaction... Um, there were attempts to get these things going um, and I thought it was a real positive that the vast majority of people shouted them down. Your name was chanted. It was. How did you feel about that? You know what? I don't, it doesn't bother me too much. Does it not? No. Um, I, uh, it's a thankless task um, being the one who stands up and says no. 
Um, what I think people should be more bothered about is the message it puts out there to people looking at the club when they are singing disparaging songs about the person who's standing up against racism. What does that say about your club and how do people view that club as a result? I totally agree. I yeah. mean, personally, on the record, I think you've been heroic, mate. And, and I stand shoulder to shoulder with you. And, and you can see my name if you want. I wouldn't give a toss. But, you know, it's, uh, you know, you're you much more... You just want your own song, you do. My own name. But no, but, but I mean, on a very, very serious note, you know, I think, I think that's absolutely right. I think people who did that are shameful. They're shameful. You know, you're trying to do something positive and all they can be is negative. And Look, I, I just don't, I don't get it. I don't understand that mindset. No, I mean, you write. So that's all the power in you is with, with your pen or your keyboard and things. And it's really important to keep on doing what you're doing. And I hope everybody understands the messages that we're all trying to get across, that this is a fantastic club. We want to be happy every day. You, when I saw you coming into the podcast, we, we were delayed by half an hour through various factors today. And you were going, oh, it's just so wearing everything. And I'm so depressed about the club and the way it is. You know, this does affect you. This doesn't just make it, oh, I can't wait to get down the bridge for 90 minutes. Because there is something that sucks the life and soul out of us as fans when you have these negative influences and negative vibes around us that we really need to get rid of. Because football should be about... That, that escape for 90 minutes to enjoy the game being played as beautifully or as ugly as we decide to well, play v- it. Very well said. And I, I think as well that social media has massively amplified all this stuff. You know, I mean, if this was you just writing in a newspaper or writing on a, you know, in, in an old style media medium, then people might sort of get cross and talk about you in the pub. But the fact that everybody can join the conversation via Twitter or for, through Facebook or whatever social media platform they use, the fact that everybody feels they have a, uh, an input into it massively amplifies it. But it also also creates this bubble where you think that the people with the loudest loudest voices are the majority and actually i would imagine that you've had lots of messages of support as well yes it's been fantastic the thing about social media is it provides this sort of taxonomy for life it gets people with common interests and he puts them into little places together where they might normally not normally meet and you know for us that means chelsea and i think i probably met both of you first on social media um and a lot of people listening to this will have had the same experience it also gets i think i got cross with you on social media probably i think you i think i think (laughs) andy getting cross no i think you wrote a story about something and i i kind of i was i didn't gang i didn't get abusive with you but i kind of questioned you on it and you know, I think it was about a rumour or, or something, some kind of football thing that, you know, I sort of went, well, I don't know. And then we invited you on the podcast to talk about it. And I think that's how we met. So we actually met through kind yeah. of a social media interaction rather yeah, sure. than just like whatever. Yeah. But, but social media, I've met some wonderful people on there. I mean, it is quite, it is, look, for all the bad points, I remember why I started it and how I started. And it was a very, very positive place. You know, Twitter can be conceded to be one of the most negative places in the world, but actually it can still be an incredibly positive force. It's a gladiatorial. Yeah, it is, but know. it doesn't need to be, you know. It doesn't All need it, to be, but it is. Yeah, you know. the, the problem is it gives people a platform which they think people actually take notice of or care about certain people, and sometimes you have these dialogues with people and it's just giving them air to breathe. I think one of the reasons we wanted you on the show tonight, Dan, is because <laughs> 280 characters for a nuanced and complex subject like this isn't enough because it it reducts everything down to he, she, they, you're an idiot, you know, which is which is not a debate. It's just an opportunity to vent and abuse. And, and you know, I looked down your timeline, some of the terrible abuse that you were getting, but it's only 50 people, 
60 people with, you know, you're an idiot, you're, I mean, and worse, and, you know, I hope your terrible things happen to you. But if you think about it, 60 people out of, you know, 50,000 or 42,000 match-going fans, it's not that many. They're just loud and they're abusive. You know, and a lot of people do the, I don't really want to get involved, but I'm actually quite supportive of him. So that's why I asked about the supportive message as well, because I imagine you get as, as many of those to counterpoint the abuse, saying yeah, totally. keep going and, and, and keep saying it and keep standing up. And together, united, we will stand shoulder to shoulder and we will drown this idiocy out. Yeah, um, and I've had lots of those in public, which is lovely. I've had quite a few of them in private as well, which is also lovely. Uh, I think an important point here is it's something we're all doing tonight. There are some fans within our club who are quite influential. You know, people who are big noises on social media, people who've got an outlet like this, maybe a fanzine or whatever. I think it's their responsibility now to get behind this, to say, look, we are a reasonable club, we are reasonable people, you know, we love our football, we love our team, we love our fans. Um, we, respect, we respect all of them equally, regardless of who they are and where they come from. These people who are trying to drive a wedge are not welcome here, or their, their attitudes at least are not. And I think it is important that really influential Chelsea fans start backing up that message. Yeah, I, I, think, I think it's absolutely true. And... Well, we should. One of the things I wanted to. Sorry, mate. I just wanted yeah, to, yeah. to just give you a chance to address this because I found this ridiculous. Few fans were sort of saying, "Yeah, but you're really xenophobic. You're, you're a terrible xenophobe, and you did all these xenophobic tweets." I just wanted to give you an opportunity to answer that question because I saw that come up quite a lot. It's like I'm not taking lectures off of Dan Levine. He's really xenophobic. It's a ludicrous and tiresome debate, I'm afraid, and uh, it seemed to be run by a small number of trolls. Um, I'm, I'm terribly xenophobic, which is why I go all over Europe following Chelsea, trying to meet local people in these <laughs> countries. Uh, it's nonsense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I wanted to give you an opportunity to address that because it just seemed like a weird a little tributary of abuse. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's Twitter for you. Yeah. Okay. Well, we we should we should move on from this. Um, I'm glad we've had this discussion. And it's an I important hope... discussion. It is an important and it's not, discussion. And we're going to keep having it. Yeah. We're going to keep having it until it goes. This isn't meant to be a rant. This is meant to be a discussion, and I think that's what we've had. And I hope people like the club listen to this podcast and hear the kind of views that are being bandied around. We support anything they're doing to stand up against it and we will continue to do so. And we support debate. And if people want to debate it in a measured and adult way, if they have concerns, if they are confused, if they do want to have a conversation about, you know, about various things that they don't disagree with, that's fine. We can have a measured debate about it. And if you say, well, explain to me why you think this, I'm happy to do that face-to-face, happy to do that in any forum whatsoever. What I'm not going to put up with somebody calling me a nonce or just you know or 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 abusing me or or accusing me of things i haven't done or or you know or 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 refusing to debate with me or listen to any of my points you know in a measured and calm way and i think that's unfortunately social media and you know so if anybody wants to chat about it happy to do so all right well we should move on to the christmas season is nearly upon us uh we've got a christmasy show so far isn't it it is (laughs) happy days but here we go The Chels is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. Here we go. This is it now. It's Christmas spirit coming up. Hundreds and hundreds of games. We've got the Carabao Cup Whee! coming up tomorrow night. Whoa, can't wait for that one. What's going to happen in the Carabao Cup quarterfinals? Is he still going to chuck Callum in there? Is he going to do that? Or is he going to start to play to win now, do you think? I, th- I think he'll mix it up a little bit. Hopefully it'll be good to see Callum play. Yeah. Um, I think most people want to see that. Yeah, they do. Uh, you know, and I think people are... The one thing I've, I've said since, since the, the being in the Europa League is... 
I'm enjoying Thursday nights. Okay, it's not Tuesday or Wednesday, but I'm actually enjoying Thursday nights. We're finding out that Callum Hudson-Odoi, he's got real good potential. He's got the abilities and things. You know, last week, eh, it wasn't so great, but it doesn't matter. It's all time on the field. You're watching him develop. It's exciting. I don't really <laughs> mind about all of that. I've always loved the League Cup. Always, Exa- you know, and exactly. I've always loved the Europa League. I think, I think they're, they're great competitions to see different elements of our club yeah. that we don't normally see. Yeah. And that's why I asked the question whether we're just going to revert to our strongest sides. Like, oh, I'm, I'm within sniffing distance of a trophy now. Three games to a trophy. I could, you know, just no, put, I, put I the big guns on the field and win I think it. We'll save that for the uh, semi final against Man City, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, exactly. So, you know, t- tomorrow night will be interesting. Um, we'll go through the predictions in a minute. And then the whole Christmas season. Okay, here's another question. I don't know the answer, but I'm sure you will, Dan. Um, when was the last time we played on Boxing Day, not at home? Norwich away, about four years ago, three years ago. That, I think. Was it? I think it's a long time. Yeah, it's um, it's quite strange. It was a very very. It, it absolutely poured down with rain the previous preceding days. I remember a mate giving me a lift up there, and everywhere in East Anglia was flooded. Yeah, I, I remember it because I had an argument with my wife about it. Because my wife's birthday is on Christmas Day. And um, I said I'd quite like to go to the to Norris game because I've actually got a place up in Norfolk, near Norwich. And I went, what I'll do is I'll go up on Boxing Day and I'll watch the game and then we'll go to our you know, place and I'll meet, I'll meet you up there kind of thing. And she was like, yeah, it's my birthday. I'd quite, quite like you to kind of be around. So I remember it quite clearly. Did you go to the football? No, of course I didn't. I'm not a <laughs> boss in my house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so satisfying to it. it feels about... Anyway, we can, we can figure out when that was. But what, yeah... Um, you're going to Watford, presumably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. Oh, it's nice, it's nice and easy for me. It's just down the road. It's 15 minutes from where I live. So, actually, but, you're not that far, are you? Yeah, I mean, you're you're not you're not you're not 50 miles away, are you? I'm 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 in a good good distance. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's it's actually a series of games that we should get a lot of points from, shouldn't we? We should get a full set of points, really. Well, I think that's tempting fate. No, but in principle, we should. Yeah. When you look at that run of games, we've got. I know you're, you're both looking disgusted at me for saying it, but... Well, no, I just think it's, 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 you know, it's the Christmas period. There's lots of games, you know, one after the other. Anything can happen. I remember that crazy Aston Villa game on Boxing Day when it was, what was it? 4-4. Four, 4-all, four. Four, four you know what I mean? <laughs> silly games like that can, can occur over that period. You know, players that are coming from, you know, different countries that aren't used to playing over the Christmas period sometimes are slightly shell-shocked by it. You know, we've got... So what have we got? Leicester. We've got Leicester, Watford, Watford, Palace, Palace, Southampton. Southampton. Yeah, I mean, it's quite a lot of games in a short space of time. And Bournemouth tomorrow night. All of those are winnable. All of those should be three points. All of those those you'd think would be handled with I just think it's the Christmas period and and all bets are off. So, okay, first question. Do you consider Mourinho getting sacked today a Christmas present or a tragedy? (laughs) Um, it's, uh, it, I tell you what, isn't it, isn't it strangely reminiscent of everything that's ever gone before? How yeah, about that? We always knew it would end like this. Of course like we this. did. Yeah. A few days before Christmas, just signed a new contract. How could it possibly happen again? Yeah. And now all, all the discussions seem to be about whether it's 22 million he takes home or 24 million. Tough life. It's, it's got to be a hard decision for a is club he, to get rid of him. On a serious note, is he now at the point where he is damaging his brand? Where this 
greatest football manager in the world, whatever he achieved with us. I think we've always got to have a place in our heart for, for Jose. And if you really were to step back realistically and go, wow, that was a, an amazing period under his stewardship, you know, that, that we had when we you know, won all those trophies yeah. and had those amazing times. Are, are we now looking back and thinking he's slightly tarnished it and he's become this tiresome, slightly bullying, miserable, grumpy, slightly old-fashioned, outdated coach? Um, on a personal basis, yes, as well, you know, because I just remember the first time he was at Chelsea um, and he was just so alive, so charming, so fun to be with. Even when he came back the second time initially, he was just... Full hard, of love. Impish. Vibrant. And, Impish. Yeah, you know, and, you know, I, I, I remember... Um, I remember going to, uh, with a female friend, a press conference that he covered at um, St. James's Park. Uh, uh, it was a post-match Chelsea press conference. And she said, where, what she said was, there wasn't a dry seat in the room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's lost that attractiveness, he hasn't, hasn't he? He hasn't got much of a twinkle no. anymore. Well, I don't know where he can go now either. There's no team in England he can manage now, I don't think. Well, Klopp's, not not, Klopp's not going anywhere, Yeah, is he? exactly. So uh, he can't go to Spain and manage Barcelona because of the Real Madrid thing it won't happen who's at PSG now uh, PSG well yeah Thomas Tuchel so yeah. I, I think he'll stay for a while Bayern Munich yeah I can't see that I, I, I think I think the only thing he can probably do is take some time out and become the Portugal manager I can't see him ever taking time out no really can't no. No. Where, can he, should have, he should have done that before he should have yes, done that when he, he left Chelsea if he'd taken a year off them I'm sure we'd see a better Jose Mourinho than we yeah. see at the why moment why hasn't it worked for him is it down to him yeah, a little bit, I think, a lot, in fact. Um, he's just become self-destructive. Um, and he's a man who... Um, I did an interview a little while back about on um, Talk Sport, and I said, you know, to start this discussion about Jose Mourinho, let's talk about all of the times that he's admitted he was wrong. OK, now, let's move on to the next question. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's not yeah, got a lot true. of self-reflection, has he? No. no. Well, he'll, he'll be all right at Christmas. He doesn't have to go out much now, does mm. he? Can we just... can go home from his travel tavern. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The one he's been staying in for the last three years in yeah, Manchester. exactly. Mental, isn't it? It's absolutely strange behaviour. OK, so let's, let's do a quick round-up of the scores. Bournemouth. Bournemouth, I'll say 3-1 to Chelsea. OK, Andy? In two, your own time. 2-0 Chelsea. I'm going to go... 6-4 Chelsea. Way. Start the Christmas season off with a bang, <laughs> if only. Um, okay, so then we've got Leicester, Leicester at home. Um, Leicester at home is, afterwards I'm going out for a Christmas curry with some journalist mates, so I'm going, it's going to be nil-nil and we'll have nothing to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> the journalist nightmare of a meal. Okay. I think uh, it'll be a, 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 a dull pre-Christmas game, I think it'll be 1-0 to Chelsea. Now, I'm, I'm going to go for 3-1 Chelsea. Okay. It's slightly calmed down from the Wednesday game there. Um, then Boxing Day, we have Watford. I've got quite a lot of Watford mates. So, okay. so I'm, I, well, I got terrible abuse when we got smashed by them at Vicarage <laughs> Rose last year. So I'm hoping and praying that it's going to be a significant win. I'm going to go 4-0 Chelsea. 4-0. Okay, I'm going to go... I'm not sure we're very good at doing a 1-0 and holding on to it. So I'm going to go 2-1 Chelsea. I think I'll go 2-0. 2-0, okay. And then we have uh, Crystal Palace. Oh, Crystal Palace. Palace. Well, that's always a struggle at their place. Horrid Again, game. that was another horror game uh, last year at their place. A bit like the Watford game. I really, really didn't enjoy that at all. Um, they don't seem to be that good this year. They, you know, I, I think they always seem to raise our game. Always seems to depend whether Zaha's playing. I don't know. I think we might... Sneak that one, one nil. Okay, Dan. Uh, I'll go two one again. I think two one. Oh, okay. I'm going to go. I'm going to go for a one nil Chelsea. 
Yeah, that's it. And then finally, Southampton. Well, they got well, the, hold on, they, I think they, I should go okay, first go this on. time. I'm going to go 4-2 uh, Chelsea. Okay. Um, Southampton are in a bizarre state at the moment. They're in, they're in flux, aren't they? Um, so I'm going to go 4-0. 4-0. Well, they've got the new manager, haven't they, who gave them a great bounce against Arsenal. Um, you know, a really unexpected result. New manager bounce, I think, will have worn off by then. I think they'll be back to their usual slightly schizophrenic selves. I, I think that'll be a fairly straightforward game for us, 3-0. Fantastic. Well, that's it. It's time to pack up our little Chelsea sleigh and get out there and uh, wish everyone uh, a wonderful Christmas. When are we back? When are we back? January the 8th, I believe. Yeah, have a brilliant Christmas, everybody. Yeah, have a Thanks brilliant... Thanks for your support this year. It's been really appreciated. We, thanks, we, we appreciate all the messages and, uh, and support from you. Yeah, and thank you, Dan. Lovely to see you. And thanks for having a good old discussion yeah, with keep, us. Keep the good work going, mate. Yeah, 100% and uh, you. that's it, really. Everyone, have a fantastic Merry Christmas. Wherever you are in the world, we know you listen across the world. Have a wonderful time, and we'll see you in the new year. The Chels is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. This is a playback media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at chelseapodcast.net. Sports Social Podcast Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.